Jane. Hey, Issa. <laughs> Hi, Issa. This is Under the Bleachers. We're two adults who watch and discuss movies and TV shows for teens. This week, the pilot for 13 Reasons Why, which unfortunately we made a pretty strange joke about last time. Or it was only strange because I didn't understand what you were saying, Jane. Anyway, uh, you had a teen story to tell me first. Okay. Here's my teen story. I was in Philadelphia this weekend getting a tattoo and visiting a friend. And as I stood upon the streets of Maniunk, um, already drunk, (laughs) this, this voice calls out to me and says, Jane Garfinkel, which is my name. And I was like, huh? And he was like, Jane Garfinkel, we went to school together. And then I got his name wrong. I started to say a different name and he corrected me. Um, but you knew who it was upon seeing his face or no yes it took me it it definitely took me a moment and then he said we have the same birthdays which is something that we had talked about in high school and something east and i talked about is that i'm pretty i'm we both liked each other in high school this is why it's the added like like we both liked each other but we never did anything about it and it's really crazy that i ran into him and then isa taught me about mutual understanding which is the, which is a term they used in the philippines when she was younger to describe when two people like like each other and know it but they don't do anything about it i don't know i don't want to like get uh like my my filipino friends to laugh at me but i'm pretty sure like i'm pretty sure even my parents knew like we would say mu like the letters mu as like a shortcut which That's so doesn't cute. make sense. But I do think no, it's a I good term it. because I do think like sometimes when you're a teen, there's like someone and you know you like each other, but it, nothing ever happens. Like, and yeah, that's, I, it. that's it. That's what they are. I do want to add, first of all, the only, I only found out he liked me because a close friend told me after the fact. Close friend. Don't know about that. Oh. And second of all, like maybe he actually <laughs> did never like me. And, and this could, if he no, heard this, it would be like were... the most embarrassing thing ever. Did you tell him that you're a podcast host on a podcast named Under the Bleachers? No, a very important detail that I left out is that he had a crazy dog with him who was oh. so cute and was like okay. pulling, pulling him like all over the place. So this was just like a very chaotic uh, exchange. But he's he was very nice and I wish him the best. I thought you were going to say that a teen called your name. Okay, I also had teen encounters this past week because as the listeners know, I was traveling in Barcelona for my cousin's wedding and I saw many Spanish, oh, or Catalan teens. Um, Don't want to get there, but um, they, some of them looked like hairstyle wise, I would say, and like fashion wise, some of them did look like the kids in Elite, the Netflix show that we say is insane. Um, I did see many guys with the, you know, the, like, the main, like, beautiful twink in Elite? What's his Yeah, name? the one who looks like James Charles. Yeah, he, like, that haircut is, like, uh-huh. very popular in, like, Gen Z, as do far you as think I can tell. Do you think they are copying Elite, or is Elite like, do you think they copying are the twinks? Teens? No, <laughs> um, no, I think Elite is copying the teens. I also think that, 
Well, it's hard to say how old people were because the drinking age is 18, so we would go to, like, a bar and there would probably be people a decade younger than me, which is very upsetting. I think that shouldn't be allowed. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I think the drinking age being 18 is probably good. (laughs) I'm just just feeling insecure. But but there were many... um, Teen, teens or early 20s walking around and th- we were there during a um uh a festival like a, a, a saint's uh feast day and teens were throwing fireworks down the street at each other and it was very cute sounds dangerous yeah yeah okay. but also like happy cool <laughs> speaking of dangerous <laughs> speaking of dangerous things for teens jane we should we should get into it. Do you want to introduce our guest? I do. Yannick Lejac is a licensed social worker and therapist currently based in Cleveland. He's also a writer and researcher and worked for many years as a journalist covering primarily technology, media, and video games for places like Vice, The Wall Street Journal, The Guardian, The Outline, and The Atlantic. And a place. Yeah, okay. I got nervous. I'm sorry. Hi. Hi, Yannick. Hi, Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Thank like you really so much for coming excited on. to talk about this show, and also <laughs> yes, finally be on your amazing podcast. Oh. Yannick, oh, that's very kind. Yannick um, asked for this show like maybe a year ago. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I like asked for it the minute that I like. Wait, how long have you been doing the show? Over um, a year. Yeah, a year and a half. I maybe? feel like I, I asked for it like once I saw you say that you were doing this podcast. <laughs> I was like, you need to talk about Thirteen Reasons Why. You and are then, qualified though, which is. It which is, is interesting, like like professionally qualified, sort of like how our previous guest, Kaysen, <laughs> as a Mormon from Utah, was professionally qualified to talk about High School Musical. Too. Yeah. You have the degrees to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we like to ask all our guests who come on the show first, we like to ask them first, what type of teen were you? I was trying to think about that because, like, I know that you asked that question and it caused me a bit of like uh anxiety in like you know examining my own past because I I feel like I was like a couple different types of teens simultaneously or like at different periods in high school because you obviously like you know recreate yourself several times Mm. one I've been thinking about a lot recently which I swear was like not the kind of central or like long-term teen thing is I like had this assignment once where I had to like write a like mock Supreme Court opinion and I did really oh, well no. on it. And the teacher gave me like this like super double A plus and like read part of it in front of the class and everything and was like, <gasps> you should be like Yannick. And I was just like, well, the universe has told me I'm going to like become a Supreme Court justice now. And that was like my fantasy for like oh, no. the rest of that year. And this is such bad timing for that. Yeah. Well, I never ended up like going to law school or expressing any interest in it. But then I like was briefly I got one of those like pocket constitutions and everything. Oh. And uh, wow. I don't know. Then over like the last like five to 10 years, I think I realized that the Supreme Court is like a really awful institution. <laughs> I don't know why I fantasized about having that much power. <laughs> it's also such a rare thing. It's sort of like dreaming about winning american idol and being like that's right. what i'm gonna do. like it's, I don't know yeah. it's it, it, no offense to you I'm, you're, I'm, sure, I'm sure you would be great up there i oh, don't God. think it would have happened i don't think it would have happened that's i remember telling my brother like right when i first decided it and he's like everything that ha- has happened in life that would determine if you're going to be a supreme court justice has already been determined <laughs> totally so this- yeah, 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 yeah that's i i feel that's so hard it's like as a jewish woman like 
you know, I'm never going to be president. Not that I would want to be, but like there are certain things that have limited me from like, you know what I mean? I had no idea what you were going to say after that. Um, I also think it's maybe a little wild for that teacher to like put that upon you. But I also, I guess well, he didn't empathize- tell me that. But what he did say, which I've also been thinking about a lot, is like he definitely wasn't like, you know, Yannick, you should be a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> that, that would be a weird thing for a teacher to say. But what he did say is he explained to our entire class, he was like, you know, you're all smart, but these people like Samuel Alito and Ruth Bader oh. Ginsburg, like they're really brilliant. And I was like, <laughs> you know, he, and he like em- oh, emphasized that multiple times. It's like just the Supreme Court justice is this like elite tier of humanity. Yeah, a, mind, like- a mind for the law. <laughs> A mind for the ins and outs of the law. He was Ugh. having his, like, um, honestly, that, to me, that's, like, someone who watches a lot of Shonda Rhimes shows or the equivalent. <laughs> and, like, you have, like, the, your speech Good. where it's, like, really meaningful. And it's also thematic to your own inner struggle. But, like, like what's happening in daily life is also, like, you know, hinting to your inner narrative. Um, but that's not the kind of teen that you, you said you had two types of teens. Or at least a couple types of teens. Oh, well, I think so. I think the Supreme Court justice fantasy phase teen was part of my kind of larger thing of like, I was always a nerd that was like obsessed with like history and political science mm. and like sociology and stuff. And, you know, I never did like debate club or mock trial, thank God, because mm-hmm. when you see people like at our age that were clearly like trained and raised in that, you're just like, oof. Yeah, it's <laughs> terrifying. But then. I was definitely very good at that and I was really into that and then I was also like really into photography for a long time because I went to this like pretty fancy private school that had like a really nice dark room and stuff. Did you identify with the photographer in this show? I was gonna say I do not because I was not a weird horny creep. I mean I was weird and horny. I was not like a creep (laughs) I would say. Um but no, so that, oh, actually, that's another important point of context in terms of what teen I was. So I went to a very, like, expensive, like, elite private school in Princeton, New Jersey for high school. And my mom, the only reason I went there was because my mom was a teacher there. So I was like mm-hmm. a faculty brat. And being around that level of, like, extreme wealth and in this kind of, like, there's a lot of just like very depraved human behavior and commentary you hear from things and see in those sure. kinds of spaces that I feel like there's there's probably a lot of teen dramas that I haven't seen that kind of like reflect on that sort of thing. But I was just very like socially isolated a lot of the time. I was like bullied a bunch. Eventually I like had a girlfriend at the end of high school, but I would say just being like very, very socially awkward. Yeah, private school is terrifying if you, like, have any sort of social anxiety at all, because there's some, yeah, there's some people in there that, like, <laughs> are terrifying. Um, Do we think, 13 Reasons Why is set at a public school, right? Or no? Wait, they have uniform. No, they don't have uniforms. No. I mean, it's set more at a kind of traditional, every town public school environment, but it, like, seems very, like, pristine and, like... Yeah, it seems very, like... Kind it of, seems- like, wealthy... Yeah, the kids seem pretty affluent, and I don't know, like, what it's like in California, but I guess, yeah, I don't know. I I think that I got confused because they're in their movie theater uniforms for a lot of this, so oh, I was like, yeah. they right. have uniforms. <laughs> um, Yannick, when did you encounter this show for the first time? So I watched it, like, 
I think like, not like immediately when it came out, but definitely like around the first couple of months or so when it came out. And I wonder, I can't remember if it was like partly because I know there was like kind of controversy and criticism about mm-hmm. like it, like being very explicitly about suicide, but, um, and like bullying, mm-hmm. but that was definitely part of it. And it's like very surreal now because I feel like I started watching it when I was like at the like I was in I was working at a video game company and I was just like very unhappy and listless in my career and that was like around the time when I first decided to like apply for grad school and like go into social work and like change to a very different field um so like now I've like learned a lot of the like weird technical jargon and like more of that kind of stuff about mental health and I think it uh it's just made me kind of like look at the show in a very different way now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Did you had you read the book at that time or no? No, I just read the book over the past, or I listened to it the like audio book over the past like couple weeks before this. Okay, right. oh, okay, okay, okay. I was. Thank sure you for you clarifying would. because um, <laughs> yeah, re- it's not the same, <laughs> but that's okay. Jane, when did you encounter this show? I read the book. I do not remember a lick of it. Um, and then I, I think I watched, according to my Netflix, I watched five episodes again. Don't remember it. Um, yeah. So like right around when it like mattered, I guess is when I encountered it. I think that I was like, still, I still technically had an active Tumblr account. And so a lot of my memory of this show is like what people were like freaking out about it online about. Um, but it came out in 2017. It was developed for Netflix by, um, this guy, Brian Yorkie, who actually wrote a musical that deals with mental health issues called Next to Normal, which is way, um, which is pretty different, although maybe also uh, a little skeptical of the mental health, like, institutional profession, which is annoying. But anyway, um, it is based by, it is based on a novel by Jay Asher, um, and I had not seen any of the kids in this, uh, in this show before any of the actors before even Catherine langford was 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 this your first Catherine langford introduction where do you know her from maybe the show <laughs> oh she was in love simon that's why I oh right the character she... in the book was supposed to be fat but instead they Ooh. hired Catherine langford just saying <laughs> the actor who plays clay has definitely been in a couple other things but i don't remember if i saw those after th- I saw 13 Reasons Why at this point. It's That's hard how I feel too, yeah. I feel also that Clay Jensen, or it's not his name, Dylan something, he is doing a lot of things that are very similar to um, Logan Lerman in Perks of Being a Wallflower, also about mental health. And so like it all jumbles together in my head. But you know what I'm saying, Jane? Like he does the like, hmm, like sad face and he's, stuff like He's that. reserved and like, he doesn't express himself vocally that much so there's a lot in his face i will say really classic boring white guy like just <laughs> so vanilla i i think i prefer logan lerman but yeah. maybe i, I just find I him more attractive i don't know yeah i agree he looks like he'd be like an npc and like i don't know not a game like grand theft auto but just like he looks like <laughs> a like video game like he looks like slightly polygonal in his appearance yeah yeah i think there's something about his face that's very like i'm not at all saying like he, he just like has a very like blank face like i think i 
I mean, it's not a bad thing. Like he clearly, it clearly helped him get cast as this lead. But yeah. Um. Also, Jane, I'm not sure if you knew that Selena Gomez was going to be Hannah. No fucking way. Why so, did she? Okay, did she this get is too the history. Old? They first was they were going to do a film, and they were going to do it with Selena Gomez, and then they decided no, we can make more money um, on Netflix, so they made it a TV series. Um, and Selena Gomez was like, okay, I'll just be an executive producer. <laughs> Selena Gomez was like very. <laughs> behind this show right because i remember her like and she's like you know done all the stuff of like you know i'm a famous person and i have a bipolar disorder and like i feel like this was that was like kind of part of that side of her brand too yeah i don't know it it sounds like they also just wanted her to be like a public like young person like who was involved in making it because when there was like a backlash they made they interviewed her and like she like apologized and st- or did or didn't apologize and i was like but she didn't she didn't write it i don't know i would also like to say that the other thing i learned about production was that therapy dogs were present on set because of the intense and emotional content for the mm-hmm. actors mm-hmm. good <laughs> that's really funny okay um so basically there has now been a uh peer-reviewed study in um PLOS that says like there was a jump in overall suicide rate among 10 to 17 year olds in like the months fo- immediately following the release of the show which is insane wow. um and they they even compared it to like in like people 18 and up there was no change there was like an 18 to 30 bracket a 30 to 60 bracket and then 10 to 17 so 18 and 19 year olds are not teens by this science by Got science it. yeah um but yeah, and and there was no there. They also compared it to like just like um, homicide, <laughs> oh. and it was like not related to like deaths related to violent deaths in that way. It was just like elevated suicide rates, which is terrifying. That's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I hey, how don't much know. were they elevated by? Uh, they. For for Yannick, because he has done this, the paper says, like, the incidence rate ratio is 1.29, so, like, 30%, right? I I don't uh, know off the top of it, my head very well. It, um, it, like, remove his degrees. Uh, it, it then kicked off this big debate about, like, does watching stuff like this trigger, uh, you know, copycat suicides or... Um, um and then netflix was like no it doesn't it's actually good i don't know um and then they removed the suicide <sighs> scene after yes they at well, some they, point i think they had to like cgi some stuff too to make the cut like more like flow better but they, they had to like edit it and remove the suicide scene and i don't know if you can still find i mean i'm sure somewhere else but i don't know if like in an official channel you can still find what it looked like before um, I was it, curious. I almost looked her, it up. Yeah, um, I think it just showed her in the bathtub or something. I thought you were going to mention a different study that you had shared with friends earlier about techniques <laughs> for women pleasuring. What Jane is talking about is another research article, a scientific article called Women's Techniques for Pleasure from Anal Touch. Results from a U.S. probability sample of women ages 18 to 93. And it is a scientific study, and um, you can't make fun of it because it's science and someone has to do it. Okay. Thanks for explaining that, but it is about anal, so it is funny. Um, the National Association of School Psychologists in the U.S. released a statement on 13 Reasons Why saying that... Um, oh, God. Basically saying <laughs> that if you're... <laughs> 
Yannick doesn't like that. Saying that if you were exposed to another person's suicide and or to graphic or sensationalized accounts of death, it can be one of many risk factors cited as a reason a youth contemplates or attempts suicide. And um, the result of that statement was that Netflix uh, added a tag following every episode with mental health resources, as well as um, a reminder that you should uh, go to a mental health professional. And we can talk about the like little PSA before and after as we jump in. So Jane, do you want to start? Yeah, let's start. Okay. Clay looks mournfully at Hannah's locker, now covered with flowers and notes. Hannah uh hannah died by suicide a week (laughs) earlier justin aggressively asks what clay's doing and says he's guilty but a teacher shows up before clay can respond hannah's parents come to school to collect her stuff and are surprised that there are no decorations inside her locker tony gives clay a ride home in his classic car and they listen to music on tape clay thinks back to his first day working with hannah at a movie theater she had only recently moved to town and he was clearly interested in her at home he gets a mysterious package of hand decorated tapes and a map hannah has recorded the story of why she committed suicide and says if you're listening to the tapes you're one of the reasons why man there's like a lot of things just in the beginning i really want to talk about tony and tony's like reveal because he just I don't know. I, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on him and how he like stands out in terms of his like aesthetic. The and Latino how that contrasts friend with the rest of the show. The Latino but friend. But then like I also wanted to just talk about the like trigger warning at the very beginning of the first episode, which I guess we kind of just you mentioned that in terms of how I also put these warnings before and after each episode. Which can I ask? I'm not like a seasoned teen drama watcher like is that a thing that you've seen in other teen dramas or is that like relatively unique to 13 reasons why i think it is unique like i i I feel like we have seen it before but it's not common what's coming up for me is the psa that um shailene woodley did at the end of secret life american teenager about teen pregnancy which is entirely different (laughs) but um wow What I was think that also one like? retroactively added on. It was like, don't get pregnant <laughs> or else. <laughs> I think it was like, no, 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 no. Jane, do you remember? It was like, talk to your parents about sex. like, Or it was like, parents, like oh, talk to your teens about sex. Which is so weird. I, I mean, I guess parents were watching that show. I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, Is the, it, the, the PSA that comes at the start is like the actors talking, right? Right. That's the other thing that's kind of distinctive about it for me because i've definitely seen a lot of like content warnings like definitely when i was covering video games there's a lot of content warnings that start or like a lot of ubisoft games have this like general note of like you know this was made by a diverse team of people like of many different cultures and (laughs) something like that you know um but that like i've usually seen those as like just like text on like a black screen kind of thing This one was, like, the different actors, including the actor who plays Hannah, who commits suicide, and then the actor who plays Bryce, who we'll talk, I guess we'll go into talking about him, but he's, like, one of the most, you know, problematic, kind of harm-causing characters in the show. So it feels like a statement on its own to have him step out of character and be like, (laughs) by the way, like, talk to your parents and, like, don't kill yourself or something like that, you know? Yeah, do we think it's more effective? 
I think it's weird to me because they're acting. You know what I mean? Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially the last, uh, the actress who's also in Yes, God, Yes. She, at the end, she's like, she, there's like a very pregnant pause as she's talking. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's just being dramatic. Whatever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Selena Gomez was like, and now do this. Yeah, yeah. She's like, every day I record a Rare Beauty commercial and this is how you're supposed to talk if you're an influencer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree, Jane. And that's like, that's, I don't, I'm not a big fan of content warnings in general, to be honest. Like, I understand the desire for them, but I think like, it just, there's like so many different kind of factors that kind of complicate them at the same time. Yeah. I think in a, in a context like this, the thing that, so let me just say, like, I'd totally forgotten that that existed before I rewatched the episode. <laughs> and it was really wild watching it again as after I went to back to see it again. And I think what, like, I think what bothers me about it is it feels like when it's the actors and they're delivering it in this very kind of dramatic way, the way you're saying is it's kind of like turning the trigger warnings into the part of the like aesthetic of the show yeah and it's hard it makes it a lot harder to not feel a little cynical about it because it's like and i think that's part of what bothers me about content warnings in general is it's kind of the same thing as like parental advisory stickers or something it's like this thing of like this is gonna be so offensive or like (laughs) this is gonna be really like hard to watch and it's like okay like what are you trying what are you getting at exactly when you say that you know yeah and i i think in the context of like them only adding it because they got a slap on the wrist basically i it it does feel like i mean they shot a commercial essentially to put it up there Um, yeah and maybe in this case it also feels that the show isn't effective like if the show was more effective then they wouldn't need this warning yeah it's well, like it's like they're, they're, it's like dem- they're admitting, yeah, yeah. They're not sending the right message. With yeah, the it's show. like they're they're basically admitting that like you might get the wrong message from the show. And um, I will right. say that like when the show, I have never seen the show, and when the show started with like singer songwriter, like gentle acoustic guitar, and then like a picture of Hannah and her going like, "Hey, it's me," and like it's her talking from beyond the grave after committing suicide. Like that did like send me a little bit. I was like, Oh, I see why people like were rubbed the wrong way by the show. Like this is insane. It really is insane. The whole concept. I have to say like Hannah's insane. Right. The the person. Oh, like I like to do this, doing this. Um, Uh, I will say she has an awesome American accent. Really good job, Catherine. Um, Oh yeah. Okay, let's know. talk about Tony because he stood out to me too. First of all, yes, he, he looks like Danny Zuko but Latino, and he's he has his classic car. He's alone always. He's somehow friends with Clay. I guess childhood friends. He seems to be like above it all. It's almost like he's like a a student teacher. That's there and like mingling with the because he he just looks older and like different. I don't know. Okay, I did not. I forgot that Danny Zuko was that character's name, and I just <laughs> Googled it, and you were 100% right. I'd written in my notes, is he supposed to look like James Dean? Because he, like, yeah. it's that whole, like, that's what makes him just stand out so much, is it's, like, the leather jacket, the, like, huge hair poof, and, like, <laughs> you know, the, must, the like, souped-up Mustang, like, it... 
it's just such a weird like aesthetic shift all of a sudden when you're first meeting him because like the rest of the show has this really kind of bizarre and sort of like faceless kind of like every town upper middle class white suburban aesthetic to it 2000 and like very much like yeah yeah and then suddenly it's like (laughs) <laughs> oh, here's the guy who, like, is dressing like a 1950s greaser for some reason. And... <laughs> it is like the the people who wrote the show, like, watched West Side Story and they were like, oh, Latino, <laughs> Latino teens like are like this. Like, that's what it's like to be a Latino teen. And, like, his dad has a few lines in this first episode, too, and just also has kind of like an over-the-top affect. Um, but I won't say I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> like... Also, I oh, number no. one, number one, didn't know this show had a third and fourth season. Number two, I read in the wiki that his family is deported in the third season after Bryce's dad <laughs> reports them to ICE. Oh no! What? <laughs> oh my That's god! Insane. I can't. Holy shit! I, I can't. I don't know why they decided to do that. But the show, also- <laughs> it seems to take a like a degrassy turn. So I've only <laughs> seen the first f- few episodes. The first season is like has a lot of rough content in itself. And then it feels like they wanted to go even harder with the next two seasons. Like there is more sexual abuse. Apparently there's like deportations. There's there's <laughs> there's everything. It's just like Degrassi. There's a school like, shooting. Oh my God. <laughs> or there's there's a build up like the end of I think season two is like this character gets violently raped with a broom. Oh, and Jesus. You see it like there's literally like blood on the broom afterwards. Oh my god. And then he that character goes and like gets an assault rifle and is about to like shoot up the school. And then I think Clay talks him like is like standing him down like at the entrance to the school and like manages to get him to stop and then he like jumps into Tony like Tony shows up again. Tony's always the one showing up out of nowhere and is like, get in. And he gets into the car and then they like speed off. And that's the end of season two. Yeah. I, it... I mean, Jane, you're right. He kind of just like <laughs> drives around. It is cool. Like he doesn't seem right. to ever be concerned with homework. Like, I was going to say, we. He doesn't seem to be actually going to school. Yeah. <laughs> or ha- he doesn't have any problems. Like who cares for Tony? You know what I mean? Like what's Tony going through? Actually. <laughs> one thing I wonder about the show is why Clay? Like, why why Clay's why is it Clay's perspective? Because he's, I guess because he's sort of he's sort of a bystander. Yeah, he you can, like, self-insert maybe. He's a bystander and also, like, this is the thing I'm really interested in hearing your thoughts on, because, like, the other thing that bothers me with Clay, and then actually Clay in comparison to Tony, now that you're mentioning it with Tony, <laughs> is like, there's always this message that Clay and like all the other characters are like reflecting it back on him, which makes me wonder if it's supposed to be something of like, this is all coming from Clay's perspective. But right, it's like, right. I think part of what bothers me is Clay has this like really strong kind of like, incel energy vibe to me of like (laughs) i'm the nice guy and like why wasn't i why didn't i get the girl because i was so nice and i was like actually like you know not some stupid jock or a bully or something but then all the other characters like support that and are like oh clay is like the one like nice person at this high school or something you know yeah they're like you are i just found that really right (laughs) 
Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Something that I found interesting from this from the start is that it does seem like much like a more normal high school, I guess, like everyone talks to each other like in this in like some of the first scenes, like Courtney, who becomes like, um, you know, like more important later on in this season, like she she like comes up and talks to Clay and like there's like an awkward moment where there's like a hint that something is wrong. Everyone in the show seems to just get rides home with whoever. And like it's so it's sort of like they're all friends um and yeah. I actually I actually do think that's a little realistic for like a smaller school where it's like you can't really have clicks because you just see each other too much or like you can't you can't not hang out with each other um but you're right that I feel like everybody likes clay and I like you don't really know why and to your point about like not knowing if this is all just like in his head and his recollection like immediately I feel like Hannah is like painted as this like perfect like manic pixie dream girl vibes like she's just like yeah. always always like having the witty thing to say and she's always like smiling um and like even the random doodling on the suicide tapes is a little much for me <laughs> like that she like made little flowers and stuff like that's kind of wild <laughs> quirky quirky yeah yeah uh, quirky girl yeah. even right before she ended it all um i feel like they want us to think that he's like bland because they even dress him in gray did you notice in, he's wearing <laughs> right, a gray right. t-shirt over a long sleeve gray shirt. That's wild. <laughs> um, I was gonna ask if you uh remember any well loved cassette tapes that you owned and like had and like kept oh God. and played and replayed. I went to I went to Enix I went to Wesleyan University, the, the original <laughs> Wesleyan University, the one in Middletown, Connecticut, and uh at least when I was there, it had a reputation for being like a pretty extreme hipster school. Yeah. Um, and I remember one of my classmates had like an indie, like independent tape label that he like ran himself, which what? was one In of the what? most like. <laughs> In what year? One of the most like hipster things. This was my senior year, so that was like 2011, <laughs> 2010. I don't know. Is is there an argument that like listening to music on tapes is like is it the same thing as like records, like vinyls? It like sounds better or something. I don't think I don't think it extends to cassette <laughs> tapes. I think I do think people like the there's like an ASMR like like quality to it. It's just fun to kind of click them into stuff. I think and like they're kind of like fun to tap around. I don't know. Like that's what I notice. Like whenever they're in a movie, there's a lot of like clicking into a Walkman or whatever. Yeah. So maybe yeah. that's what people get out of it. Jane, did you have tapes and or a Walkman? Yeah, of course. Oh yeah, I had this. Uh, I had this uh, Walkman that was like it also had FM AM radio and it was bright yellow. <laughs> that was the coolest thing ever. Yellow. And then I remember. I could record, you could like record songs from the radio on a, using a tape. Yeah. And I really needed to get the song Complicated by Avril Lavigne because we were dancing to it in the for the talent show of my camp. But I remember that I started, <laughs> I was like, the song's on. And I put the tape or the tape was in, I click record and I'm like, wait, I don't think this is a song. And then I stopped it. And then I was like, wait, it is a song. And I started recording it. So we only had this like bungled version to practice on. Um, but yes, I do think it's, I do think the whole tape thing is funny and I'm like, couldn't this have worked just as well with a flash drive? And second of all, yes. I, but I do think it's hilarious to imagine him getting like a box of records <laughs> and that like, would be I mean, really recording it on a record. Even if they, <laughs> even if they wanted it to be, yeah, even if they wanted it to be early 2000s, they could have done CDs and she could yes. have drawn on the CDs. Oh yeah. Yeah. The way that like 
getting getting a CD mixtape from your crush was like that was like the biggest fucking deal in like high school. But I mean, that part did feel a little. It felt true to me, at least in the character of Hannah and the way that they were trying to present her, because like. I think there definitely is that thing, particularly when you're in high school and college of kind of like mythologizing and like, um, I don't know, sort of like romanticizing a lot of like kind of older musicians and older cultures and older technology and stuff. And like having tapes because it's very kind of like idiosyncratic and like, you know, it's like deliberately like not giving someone like, you know, an iPod shuffle or something with your suicide message on it or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. It felt a little in line with her kind of personal brand, but I could have totally you ever that. have you personally ever made a tape for someone else and given it to them or a CD? I mean, I did have like crushes and stuff where we would like write each other like because I like went to summer camp and like nerd camps and stuff so I would have like people from that that I would like then stay in touch with all year I feel like writing like handwritten letters and stuff in the like time of aim and email that was like also a way to like express your affection for someone you know Issa did you make cds for people Oh, not for someone else. I definitely made a CD. <laughs> I definitely made CDs and I would draw on them. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely remember that. And I had some favorite, like, cassette tapes. Um, I think one of I think one of them was, like, the first Britney Spears album I had, like, on a Walkman tape. Um, and that was really... Oh it was just, like, nice to, like, treasure them and keep them all in a little drawer and, like, take them out and look at them. You know, like, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just fun. Um just fun to have your tapes um but no i had never i did i do remember i have a cd that i made and i wrote isa's party mix on it oh, and yeah. i put <laughs> balloons on it oh yeah um and i i can't i don't know where it is and i uh. wish i could like remember what was on it i definitely know one song on it was um the pink song that's like that's i like, mean that's that the perfect like- party song <laughs> Did you ever go to did you ever go to like a bar mitzvah or a sweet 16 that you got like the official like mix playlist in the like goodie bag afterwards? (gasps) No, that's awesome. (laughs) That is some hyper organized mom party planner. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that happened. I exchanged mix CDs with my first boyfriend. (gasps) All I remember is that his head there was some doctor dog on it. We just okay. really didn't. Ha- we really did not have similar music <laughs> tastes. I feel like mine was probably all like Ben Folds, Bell and Sebastian. I can't even remember. And then I would also make. I would make CDs for my dad Aww. to try and get him Aww. into the to the young music. And I remember he was. I put um, Death Cab for Cutie, and he he was obsessed with the lyric about uh, when the vacancies sign that's is cute. off. I forget what song that's in, but he was like, "That's so weird." <laughs> Oh, that's so cute. Anyway. Um, my parents will like listen to the Glee soundtrack over <gasps> in the car because it's the only, <laughs> it's like one of the only CDs they have. So like they put it in like, you know how some cars have the like CD player that you load all the CDs yes. in first. So they just like, <laughs> so for a while when I would visit them, it was just like Glee version of keep holding on and stuff. Like, oh, so my fun. oh my God. <laughs> I I love I love Glee versions of songs. Okay, let's let's move on. Let's okay. move on. 
Clay is surprised by his mother and drops the boombox. He lies to his mom about what he's listening to and then bikes to Tony only to steal his tape player. Hannah explains that there are 13 people featured in the tapes and encourages the listeners to go to the spots marked on the map. She also says that if the listener doesn't pass on the tapes to the next person, when they are done, the tapes will be released publicly. Clay is freaking out and believes someone is following him. He bikes into a parked car, getting a head wound. At home, his mom is worried about the wound and tells him to wear a helmet. (laughs) Clay flashes back to Hannah teasing him about his helmet and then inviting him to a party. Okay, the other thing that, like, him getting... Because he gets the tapes themselves from Tony, right? Yeah, because Tony's the one delivering them to everyone. (laughs) Yes, yes. And then Tony's also just, like, kind of an ambient presence in the show who shows up whenever, like... He's, like, the quest giver in a video game. Like, whenever you, like, get lost, he, like, comes and steers you back in the right direction. That's true. And then he also gives... Like, he's where he finds the new tape player after he breaks the boom box tony's kind of like he's kind of like is there like a latino version of like the like magical negro character in a <laughs> in a piece of fiction so i feel like that's what to your point jane like he doesn't really have like an inner life of his own he's just like there to like move the plot along and help all the white characters out yeah. Also, <laughs> the mystical I'm, Latino. Okay. I'm calling him out, Tony. Why <laughs> didn't you do more? Why didn't you save Hannah? That's um, what I have to say. Sure, we'll call him out. That's the really weird part too. Of like, if Hannah came to him and was like, "This is my like mission, and you need to help me on it," it's like, I don't know. I feel like, like that yes, is I where you know. You. Tony should have listened to the PSA at the beginning of Thirteen Reasons Why and been like. <laughs> Sounds like you need to talk to someone, Hannah. <laughs> um, my question, my question was, if this happened to you, would you listen to them all one after the other, or listen to them one by one while going to the spots? Also, like, would you do it alone? Obviously, this is like a ludicrous like scenario, but like, it is notable to right. me that everyone else he encounters who knows about the tapes is kind of like I've already listened to them all, and he's only just now listening to them one by one and like biking around. I guess it's like, do you and- like to binge TV or not? <laughs> Yeah, and then it's, like, this thing of, like, do you... Because it's, obvi- it's like, a neat kind of device as a way to sort of, like, move the plot along and kind of structure <laughs> all these flashbacks and stuff, but it is weird. Like, one of the things that's a little odd to me, if I'm imagining, is, like, what would a real person do in this scenario is when, like, Tony or when one of the other characters are like, oh, you haven't gotten to this tape yet, and it's kind of treating it as, like... <laughs> As if they're all, like, watching a show and they don't want to, like, spoil it for the person who isn't caught up yet or something, you know? Yeah, but, and like, don't they all, they like, would all get it know at the happens. same time? No, like, I don't understand I how they, they all it. got it. No, no, they pass it along. I thought that was the point. Right, yeah. Uh, I... <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> I would immediately have a panic attack and I would not yeah. go to the spots. I would stay up all night and listen to listen every to them, second yeah. of the tape to find out what I did and and what I was right. guilty of. So, I mean, yeah, that really wouldn't work for the show if he was just, like, sweating in his room <laughs> by himself, just sitting with his arms around his knees in fetal position, just listening I would also, to tapes. I would also raise that maybe I wouldn't do it by myself. Like, I would, like, try to, like, find another BFF or something in this universe. I, I, I just feel like it's he's so um, secretive about it that obviously, like, it's all going to come out, but, like, he's very secretive about it. 
and he's like twitching and trying to like hide it and everyone's like yeah we know we got the tape wait okay sorry i'm i'm so confused so they pass them to each other who had it before him and is there only one set or are there multiple one sets set. like floating around there's i mean clay is relatively late in the list of the oh, 13 okay, reasons that's why. so okay, he's okay. like one of the last ones yeah so that's why there's a bunch of people who have already listened definitely okay. justin has listened which is right. why he this sort of maddening. calls Clay guilty, even though he's not, which is really annoying. Um, I liked Please Don't Say Ointment. That made me laugh. <laughs> I say ointment all the time. I like the word. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> oh. you just have an antibiotic ointment. And then Murder Reggie. Oh, yes. We enjoy Murder Reggie. His name is Ross Butler. Um, he plays Zach. Is that his name? I wrote Zeke? it down. Yes, Ross Butler as Zach. Oh, Yay. isn't there also a Zeke? Did I make that up? That's in High School Musical. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I do enjoy the return of Ross Butler. I think he's a great teen actor. He's not a teen, but I think he's a great teen series actor. I also think it's confusing to me because I find him extremely attractive. So in that scene where he shows up, I find him to be way hotter than Justin and Justin like it to be incredibly generic to me. But oh, yeah, we do get more of him later, I guess. So like, I don't know. I This show is maddening in terms of like characterizing people because I think uh, the other thing in this part of the show I was getting annoyed at is like Hannah being this like perfect girl that is like, right. oh, ho, ho, I'm so cute. and I'm going to tease you about your helmet and uh and come to the party. And then like, you can't really criticize it, too, because then then it's like, okay, so she's too happy and perky, so happy and perky people can't commit suicide. Like, I don't, I don't know, like, you can't, it's kind of a trap, like, you can't, like, she's not real. It's this weird thing, also, that is another part that makes me feel like maybe it is all in Clay's head, because, like, going back to what I was saying about the kind of incel vibes from Clay, like, right. one of the things I think is interesting about his relationship with Hannah, and I feel like the book is even stronger on this. The show is much more muted about it. Is like, she's always making these comments to him that are very, like, needling and kind of passive-aggressive in exactly that way that, like, the kind of, like, angry sexless, sexless nerd frames these kinds of relationships of, like... She's, like, saying, like, oh, you're such a nerd, or, like, oh, you'll fill out she's someday when they're at, she's like... She's nagging him. Right, yeah, <laughs> when, like, they're at... When they're in the gym watching the, like, bat, watching Justin run up, like, during that team thingy dealy, she's, like, oh, you'll fill out someday, or she calls him, like, thin and nervous, and it's, like, the implication that she's, like, making to him very clearly is, like, we would be together because you're such a nice guy if you were also, like more like buff and handsome and masculine but since you're this like scrawny little nerd kind of thing yeah and that's true their that's dialogue like, their dialogue is a little like she's leading him on like or she's just like keeping right. him around for like eventually and it's it's also confusing because she she seems to have a friend who's pretty popular she's new right right yeah she just moved to the town and then her one friend that she was friends with moves that same summer, which is that's the party that they like that she meets Justin at. Yes. Also crazy to introduce a friend character who we meet for like four seconds, whose main function is to like talk to her a little bit and then immediately leave. Like, is there a function of that? Does that person ever come back? She also has my she has my favorite line, which I'll sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'll just say quickly, Jane's <laughs> character has that line where she says my mother, the social worker, <laughs> hired a recovering heroin addict. And 
It's I like, know, that felt like a personal dig at you, Yannick. Yeah. Well, I just think things like that are hilarious because people don't understand what social work is as a profession. Yeah. But every time <laughs> I do hear it come up, it's either as that sort of thing or the stereotype of like child protective services or something. Right. It's always like um, child police. Child <laughs> Social worker equals child police that like little orphan Annie has to be like afraid of. That's a social worker. Or wait, no, not Annie. Wait, there's no social worker in Annie. Was there? I don't remember. That's a good question. I, <laughs> I was going to say, I, I felt the whole friend who moved away thing was really unnecessary. And especially that yeah. she is Justin's ex-girlfriend. Why? why? Oh, yeah. She could have right. just met Justin at any party. Um, I, I don't know why yeah. that they had that. Um, I did want to ask everyone, what, what do you think about Tootsie Rolls? And if you don't hate them, why? What? They're Wait, fine. Wait, Tootsie Rolls like the candy? Yeah. Yeah, they have a Tootsie Roll debate in this. Oh. I like them. They're fine. They're you not my favorite. You would like them. You would like they're them. They're not my favorite, but they're perfectly neutrally okay. That's not true. What? Yeah. You are don't they bad? are you not a fan, Jane? They're gross. They're not real chocolate. It's like it's like chocolate flavored. They're not chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they are. No, they're like caramely no. something. They're Yannick, do you like them? Um, <laughs> so I work at a, I, I'm, I'm a therapist now, as you said in the introduction, I work at an eating disorder treatment center, oh, no. so wow. um, I'm just very, I'm very conscious of making food judgments, so Jane, when you say that you consider <laughs> Tootsie Rolls gross, that's something I would, in a different setting, try to redirect the conversation <laughs> away from you, you know, moralizing food that way. Or but I'm not moralizing that. <laughs> I'm not moralizing it based on its health value. I'm moralizing it based on its flavor, which is disgusting. I think disgusting. it's fine. I think it does not actually pretend to be chocolate. Yes, it does. It's yeah, literally it... brown and it's in a brown wrapper. I'm freaking it's like, out. But it's chocolate. It's chocolate, but it's kind of more like gummy or like chewy, like Charleston chews or something Yes. Like that. Also, the one that they show in the episode is like huge. Did you see? It's like yeah. he takes he takes the whole thing out and there's like a pencil sized piece of unwrapped Tootsie Roll that's just like dangling and he eats that that's, and I'm like ugh. whoa. <laughs> now that you mention it, I was very confused by that because when he when she says like oh why are you eating a Tootsie Roll like I thought he was holding one of those like beef jerky meat stick yeah, things yeah. at first just because of how large <laughs> it was. I've only seen the small ones. Okay, I had a question yeah. about this part of the episode. My question was. Could you personally draw a map on a piece of paper from memory of like places around your neighborhood as a teen? Oh no. I mean <laughs> I have no sense of direction though. Yeah, me too. Wait, how older <laughs> I I'm uh... in the generation like slightly before smartphones, so like I had a lot of like printing out map quest directions to try to find same, my way to same. friends' houses in high school. I printed out I printed out MapQuest to help my parents like on vacation. How about you, Jane? I actually think I could. I have a terrible sense of direction, so I do empathize, but maybe because <laughs> of that, I like really had to work hard to remember. And then also I know exactly where five of my close friends like I know their houses. I can imagine them. I could even say like the street names. So even though the details beyond my friends' houses would be a little messy, right. I think I could do high school five friends. Uh, favorite pizza places. That's it. I think it would be like mine would be like very distorted. Like, remember, I, I don't know if you like 
in like history class we learned about how like they tried to make a world map like several times and there are all these like fucked up versions of it because people like didn't understand like how to make a map like back before i don't know like back before we could just travel everywhere so there's like versions of the world where like stuff is too close or too far from each other and like that's what mine would look like because it's just like a child's it's like a childlike perception of how to get to people's houses (laughs) yeah you can totally understand how the whole like theories of the world being flat were such a big thing i guess they still are for some people but (laughs) okay okay let's let's go to the party okay at the party anna meets justin who she calls her downfall he's the subject of the first tape Anna gets Justin's schedule so she can run into him outside of class, tricks him into taking the bus, and eventually hangs out with him at the park. They only kiss, but Justin encourages rumors that more happened. He also plays a part in sending an upskirt picture of Hannah to the entire school. At lunch, Clay is vaguely a dick about the picture to Hannah, and she starts to cry. Tony catches Clay with his tape player and implies he knows about the tape. When Clay asks him for more information, Tony only tells him to listen. The last scene is Justin being taken out of school by the principal. So, oh man, this part was, this part was weird for me for a bunch of different reasons. I think the kind of, so I think one of the things that made me like sympathetic to this show in theory when I first heard about it and made me interested in it was like, I was bullied. I was like bullied pretty badly at different points in high school, but I was like cyber bullied very badly at a certain point. And it was like at this time where like I feel like school, my school didn't really have a sense of what cyberbullying like was or anything mm. yet, you know? Yeah. Um so I'm like very sympathetic to the idea of like making kind of content and dramas about that, because it is a very like upsetting and distressing thing for people when it happens. And all of that's obviously only like accelerated in very extreme and and uh disturbing ways in terms of like now everyone has smartphones and there's just such a higher yeah. level of like communication and access. I think the problem with it for me is like how it all kind of plays out in this is so like it feels more like a kind of parody of how something like that would happen than how like it would actually happen like when she walks into the classroom and everyone's literally like receiving the message like as she's there and then like you know look giving her these dirty looks over that and then the final one is clay gets the message and it's like oh clay even clay has let me down like the nice guy because now he's like looking at me differently and also well i have one other thing to say but i'm curious to hear your thoughts first i i agree i think that like this is a very like my a lot of my confusion around this part of the show is also like I don't think in like, pa- like I don't think like past two thousand five like upskirt photos are necessarily something that teens do. And then also a plot hole that I couldn't ignore is that the photo clearly has flash on, so like she would have known <laughs> that like he right. took it. <laughs> um, and it um it also looks a little bit like the Lord album cover. <laughs> oh, <laughs> where she's walking. Oh God. <laughs> Um, anyway, there are some very strange reaction, like, acting choices in this part that I agree with you. It kind of feels like a, like, a reenactment. So, like, when, when Justin shows it to his friends, one guy literally, like, kind of makes this face and, like, bites his fist like he's in Greece or something. Ew. It's so weird. (laughs) Okay. And then, yeah, and then everyone, like, looks around and is like, ooh, like, 
we all got the text. I and hate this. <laughs> Obviously, there is a double standard when it comes to sex. Like, I'm not, I'm not denying that's that's not the case. But the way they've displayed it feels so unrealistic to just have him send a photo first of all of a woman who's fully clothed to right. everyone and have them have them assume that that means they've had sex in a public park, and then for him to be like glorified because of it. And for her to be treated awfully because of it in such a stark way, like there's not a single person coming to her defense or asking her what happened or anything. Like even like you said, even Clay, the nice guy who, to be honest, right now, I don't think he's a nice guy. I think he fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, it I doesn't don't, feel real. I also don't, I agree with you. Like, I don't think the picture implies that they had sex. Like, I think. On a slide. That, I <laughs> That was the second that was the second part I was going to make so I'm so glad you guys felt the same way cuz it like I don't know like it Have you guys talked about euphoria on this show on this podcast ever? We haven't done an episode on it, but it always comes back, you know. Oh man. If you ever do, I really want to talk about that show too, especially the well, stuff about yeah. drug use in that show cuz that was my specialty in school. Oh. But they Euphoria has, like, a lot of the same kind of themes of, like, people getting, like, the kind of revenge porn thing shown, but it's so much more realistic in Euphoria because it's like, it's like, oh, like, I hooked up with this guy and he, like, manipulated me into letting me, like, record it or take pictures and yeah. then he showed it to other people, whereas this, like, I don't, I, I want to preface this by saying I was 100% not a jock or, like, a you know, I was not, like, in the Justin group in, in my high school at all. But, like, to your point about the picture, like, I feel like there's even enough of a complexity in terms of, like, horny, pervy teenage boys that, like, if you saw a picture like that and showed it to your friends, that wouldn't be, like, oh, yeah, you totally banged this girl. That was awesome. It's, like, you're pathetic that you had to try to take an upskirt photo of them. Like, I feel like he would be getting made fun of for, like, Especially if he tried to show that as a proof of conquest kind of thing. Right. You know? They would be like, They'd be nah, like no, it's this not. just means you're a weird perv. Like, this doesn't mean that you hooked up with them. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I guess I thought when I read your blurb, I thought, Jane, that like the picture would be like a nude or something or like them having sex. Although, like, that doesn't make sense because, like, how would he have gotten it if they were outside at the playground? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's so many logistics that, like, don't make sense. And it it is, it is a shame that, like, that is. You know, like, this episode is supposed to set off, like, the whole tone of the series as, like, here are things that, like, you know, started to make her life terrible. And it's just so, <laughs> it's so hard for me to get on board. Yeah. <laughs> I also think right. Justin, like, he had a girlfriend, so I'm kind of interested in, like, what his motivation is where... <laughs> okay actually what i want to he talk had a about... hot girlfriend yeah he had a popular girlfriend i also i want to talk about hannah's like um su seduction method where she's like <laughs> doing little tricks and like she's being <laughs> sneaky and like she's quirky she's it feels uh, unrealistic. getting him stuck in the bus yeah like she like tricks him to get it's so what i'm trying to say is she is so confident so confident to like trick a guy to take the bus and then he's like and then she like walks away um she just has a lot of discipline and restraint when it comes to flirting i guess that uh, i don't really buy um i don't get justin's motivation i don't like justin i don't i don't like it on a lighter note i was gonna ask if you know before before the upskirt photo and stuff happens it is you know they do seem to be flirting and stuff and I was going to ask if you've ever tried to scheme to, like, set your friend up with someone and, like, bring them to a party or something like that. And, like, 
there he is like go go like do it i don't know like there's sort of that tone with the girls where she's like this one's for me and this one's for you uh and no one yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was really yeah that was really funny um i mean i was like way too awkward and nerdy to even get to that level of like social (laughs) politics in high school i remember at summer camp a couple times there was always the like plans because i went to this camp that like had like a girls camp like right across the pond so like the super like quintessential like sneaking out to like meet at the pond in the middle of the night um and i like you saying that made me remember this one time where like all the boys and like the senior camper cabins that i was with we like there was like this one guy who wanted to like you know, proposed to ask this one girl to be his, like, summer girlfriend. Hell yeah. And we all kept, like, making these super awkward attempts to, like, isolate ourselves from them when we were all, like, at some social or something, which just called so much more attention to it. (laughs) That's really cute. Yeah. Wait, did they succeed? I mean, they ended up getting together, but I'm just remembering, like, me and my friend Kevin and my friend Richard, like, we kept walking up to different people and being like, hey, like, I have to talk to you about something to just, like, pull them away from them. And I was like, you know. That's cute. I think that's adorable. And, like, oh, I think it's cute. I'm similar in that I wasn't, I basically know. I feel like there, there were moments of pulling people away and then also, but, but, but when people would do that to me, not that it happened a lot, but it would be like so nervous. I would be so nervous. <laughs> right. And I would not Scary. like it. Um, so yeah, I, I was not a schemer. I wasn't. I am a schemer. Cool. Of course. My entire, fam- my entire family is schemers. Like, anyway, but um, <laughs> I, I remember um, I invited a bunch of people to my house to like hang out and like, I think we're going to like order pizza and just like hang out and play Guitar Hero. Um, but I invited a large group specifically so that I could invite um, my two friends that had a crush on each other and like so they could like hang out in the shelter of the group. Um, and I won't, oh. I won't say I won't say who it is. Right. Uh, because it's like someone that I think one of them listens. But um, I remember like uh, there we had my mom's piano in one room and like. Uh, at some point in the night I like was gonna walk up to that room and I saw both of them like sitting at the piano bench like talking and I was like yes I like like rub hands moment and then I like walked away really quickly and was like nobody go in the piano room do they kiss um, <laughs> no they didn't end up together no oh. so I guess it didn't work oh, out man. yeah uh one of them is one of them is getting married to someone else yeah yeah <laughs> because of you did you introduce them uh no no but <laughs> okay. uh you know I I'm sure they would say I'm a great friend <laughs> My other oh, question was, have you ever kissed someone at a playground? And what do we think of that? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I, w- I was going to ask about, like, park culture in general, because that was huge. I mean, mm-hmm. walking to the park, hanging out on yeah. the playground as a as a teen. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think I have kissed my first boyfriend on a park. On a park. On a park. And <laughs> I remember, like, a friend getting into a fight at the park, like a verbal sp- uh, sparring oh. with some other girls. So, Yannick, yeah. what about you? No, there was a ton of, I went to high school in New Jersey. I worked at like a video store my last two years of high school. So like most stereotypical New Jersey teenager, teenage era possible. But yeah, like I feel like a big part of being a teen is like just loitering in a lot of random places, like either the playground or like the mall or, you know, like 
you know, just like outside of random like shopping centers or something like that. But yeah, it would be a lot of like, especially at the playground, like after dark, because it's like if you're like older than the era, not era, age where like, you know, you're considered appropriate to be like playing on the monkey bars or something, then that's like where you go to like either to like hook up or just hang out or like probably do drugs as well. (laughs) <laughs> but I was way too nerdy to do drugs in high school. <laughs> I definitely I definitely have like uh had a single beer and then gone to the playground. Hell yeah. Yeah. So cool. Do we think that do we think that these teens um like obviously they're just supposed to be like any suburb, but like if you had to guess where they were supposed to be, like where do you think? It's every suburb, and one other thing I wanted to, I meant to point out too with that that's interesting about this show is like, I don't, one of the things I find interesting about like teens in general, and like I've noticed this a lot now that I've started like, I don't work with adolescents, but I have worked with a number of clients who are like, you know, like 18 or like just, you know, ascending from teen status, um, is like, just the kind of different generational markers and also just general like time markers. Like there's nothing in the show. Like none of the kids are like wearing shirts of like bands or anything like that. Right. Mm. Like I just had no sense of like what time it was supposed to be. And like, you know, was it like five years ago? Was it 10 years ago? Is it supposed to be the present? You know, something like that. Yeah. And you can't get it from Tony. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, yeah. I I I also feel like even like Justin, I guess when they're when they're wearing like um varsity jackets, it kind of helps right. give them a little bit of character, but then in any, any other scene with Justin cuz they do have some scenes where they're just flirting and stuff. I just like couldn't get into like him as a like whole person like not she 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 says something like it was that smile and I'm like what like it's not rat smile no offense to that actor but it, it looks like a rat smile they do some insane they also do some insane close ups on the bus of him that make his face look wild because they just like are doing strange camera angles and Clay too like there's just like a lot of like close ups where I guess they're trying to show off the acting I did read that like a lot of people complimented. Um, Catherine Langford and her acting and I don't think that made that much sense to me in this episode like I don't think she does a lot yeah I don't I don't think anyone here is really <laughs> sticking out to me <laughs> I, I'm not I mean like I think she has to suffer a lot of trauma in the coming episodes so I'd imagine that's an opportunity to to act do acting to do acting but yeah I mean to me I'm just so distracted by her character who I find annoying and I don't know if I like I find this idea of making tapes about your suicide annoying like (laughs) is that bad like who who's (laughs) has anyone done this like i do i do think it's so somebody pointed out in a review that like it is extremely problematic because it's like the wishful thinking of like you know the like classic jane you and i talk about this all the time but like the classic wishful thinking that you you wish you could drop it on your own funeral and like hear everyone say nice things about you and so it's that like times 100 of like oh like what if you committed suicide but then like you lived on and got to like scold people like for what they did like i mean i i sound terrible like i sound like i'm really giving her shit but like the show like sort of paints that as like i i get that it's not necessarily as simple as like hey the show romanticizes suicide which i think it kind of does but i also think it's like a weird concept to be like hey if you were dead like you could still potentially like be a main character like that's kind of the that's kind of the implication right right 
Or like, have you guys ever watched that show, that movie? I think it's called Unfriended. There was these two horror movies that came out right around the same time together. One called Unfriended and one called Friend Request. Both of them are (laughs) like about... Both of them are insane. One of them is very good. It's like a Blair Witch style kind of like found footage thing, but it entirely takes place like on a screen just like this. The oh, other I think one I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. But that one what you just said Issa makes me kind of think of it cuz I think like the that one is about a girl who is also cyberbullied and in a much more realistic and like horrible way than the way that it shows it in this show. And then she kills herself. And then the movie is like a group of friends who are all on Skype, like playing some game together. She like returns and is haunting them and like mm. finds all these very ghostly ways to make them all She's kill themselves. Yeah. And, you know, <gasps> horrible, horrible horror movie stuff. It's very good. But to your point, I think part of what the fantasy that Hannah is having here is like, I can haunt these people like after my death and I can like continue to be this kind of like presence that's like getting revenge on them or kind of like exposing things about them even though I'm dead now yeah you know? and in some ways this maybe this would have worked and like not been as much of like an uncomfortable show if it was just about like a murder or like a ghost <laughs> like <laughs> either yeah. of those things no, no. or both if this were a murder show it would be quite good like, I it agree. would be a fun teen murder show because yeah. there's something uncomfortable with the premise about this show being about mental health when it's actually just like a mystery show yes and right. I think like I think they can't have it both ways you can't like be euphoria and be like super dark and like serious ostensibly but then also like be fun and be like and who mystery. done it like yeah, yeah. I, it's, it really it really doesn't <laughs> It doesn't work for me. And also, <laughs> I think I also have trouble with just the depiction of of being suicidal as like, you are someone who has many horrible things happen to you in a short period of time and then you kill right. yourself. Yeah. That's a very, yeah, that's, very that's... limited. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think most, like many people deal with suicide ideation and go to work every day and like have kids yeah. and are seemingly normal. So, <sighs> that's... That was the one thing I was going to say, putting on my kind of, like, mental health hat is, um, there's a, actually, there's a couple things I'll say about the kind of role of suicide in it that feel weird to me, because, like, one, um, you know, so I watched the show, are we, is it okay if I spoil this or talk about it? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So I saw the show when the suicide scene was still in the show. Gotcha. Um, and the suicide scene is really graphic and it's very violent. And it um, it is also very different from how it happens in the book. Because the book, Hannah kills herself by just swallowing a bunch of pills, which oh. is... I'll point out, like, you know, the science behind this is trying to kill yourself by overdosing, especially if you're just taking random pills, is one of, that's, like, the lowest rates of successful suicides, because, like, unless you're overdosing on something like fentanyl, which you probably don't have, like, in your medicine cabinet, a lot of people are doing that because they're distressed, but it's, like, that's not, it's not the same thing as, like, shooting yourself in the head or something, like, it's not as, it doesn't have the same kind of... Yeah, you'll probably just, like, have a really bad time, Yeah. 
Right, right. So maybe they did it because of that. But the thing with like cutting yourself and cutting your wrists, that's also a little disturbing about the way that because the show literally shows her like get into the bathtub and then cut both of her wrists. And she cuts them like very much like the long way down her entire forearm, which is like how Whoa. a person does it yeah. if they're actually trying to kill themselves. Um, and they and they show so, it. Right. And that's where I yeah. feel a little complicated because it's like, it makes it a little harder for me to buy the show stating it as like, we're trying to do this in a respectful way to start this conversation when they're also showing a suicide in like one of the most graphic and bloody ways you could think of depicting a suicide. And it's also, you're doing that and also betraying the source material at the same time just to make it yeah. as graphic as possible, you know? Yeah. And then the other thing, Jane, to your point, uh, do either of you know, have, or have you heard of dialectical behavior therapy or no. DBT? The thing about it and this kind of, again, goes exactly to the nature of borderline personality disorder is like one of the big values of DBT is you don't fragilize your clients. And part of the reason that that mm. exists is borderline personality disorder has a lot of suicidality and self-harm behavior associated with it. But it's a lot of behavior that is very much like I really dislike this term, but the term that is usually used is attention seeking. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're not doing this to try to actually kill yourself. Your you're side, doing yeah. it to try to kind of send a message or like a kind of cry for help or like make a statement to someone else or something like that. But that's what I think. So I'm coming at it from a very specific perspective and looking at it that way. But I guess part of what makes suicidality tricky for me is that there's so many different levels to it. And there's a lot of behavior where like the actual intent is you don't want to actually like end your life. Yeah. And I think the way that it gets a little frustrating when I hear people talk about it is exactly what you're saying, Jane. And I think a lot of like, this is a ongoing struggle in mental health as well is because like people have so much of this fear now of like, if you say that you're thinking about harming yourself or if you say if you say to someone like, oh, I just wish I was dead, then like someone's going to show up and immediately like lock you in a padded room or something. And that's actually what I like about DBT, because DBT was designed as a goal was to kind of try to keep people out of emergency rooms because mm -hmm. people would just always be showing up in those kind of settings. And I think that's what's tricky about it, because it's like, well a lot of people do just have these kind of thoughts or ideas of like, oh, like, you know, maybe I just don't want to wake up tomorrow or something like that. And that's not necessarily immediately a thing of like, well, now I'm going to like start writing this like extensive kind of like, you know, treasure map around my city for all of my <laughs> friends that I have beefs with and like as a way to, you know, kind of my final act or something like that. Yeah, the sequence of events kind of is impossible to and all out. the effort, all that, yeah. like, think about right. if you're someone who's really, really depressed and, and considering suicide, like, the amount of effort she put into this is really inconceivable to me. Like, when I've been depressed, all I want to do is, like, be in my shower. <laughs> you know and what like, I mean? Like, I don't want to do a homework and project. Talk to, and talk to Tony about it and sort of have, like, there's, like, all the sequence of events of, like, the forethought that went in kind of, like, falls apart, especially with what you're saying, Yannick, that it's, like, 
it's more like complicated and it's not like you make like <laughs> remember in gone girl she like put a date on her calendar and she was like this is the date i'm gonna kill myself but she <laughs> was right she and, that was a little different because she was yeah, yeah, yeah she was doing I know, it I know, to be i know i know but like that party. but like sort of that like was sort of the ostensibly like that's right. what hannah did right <laughs> like, right right Good hannah point. was like this is the day i'm gonna kill myself and working backwards from there i'm gonna like do all these things <laughs> yeah <laughs> she like right it. <laughs> And the vast majority of suicidality is, like, extremely impulsive. Right. And even when it is done in a very public way, like, I just watched, have either of you guys watched that movie Christine about Christine Chubbuck? No. She was this reporter. She's this reporter who shot herself, like, on air, like, shot herself in the head. Um, And even that, I think, was definitely something that she planned and did. But it was also like, yeah, like doing um, it, like following through is like impulsive, yeah. Right, and yeah, to your point, Jane, about the extent to which you would be able to plan something that kind of intricate. Though it also frustrates. I think the thing that really annoys me, also, just as an aside, going back to the kind of original point of like, does is like a show like Thirteen Reasons Why dangerous or something like that? Is that because like you know did it cause or is it associated with this kind of uptick or something is like the way that you think about suicide when you're doing like an actual like safety assessment with a person is like intent and plan and then like the kind of question of access to means and we could do so much more to prevent and reduce suicide rates in this country just by like limiting people's access to guns than like so many different things that we like try and fail to do you know like if we just had gun control any or any kind of gun buyback program that would have such a bigger effect on our like mental health problems than you know whether or not 13 reasons why stays on netflix or something like that that's such a good point yeah it's like it's like does does freaking out about um tv like do anything other than like offer clickbait essentially i did want to ask if like to sort of wrap this up like i i did want to ask if this show was like sort of occupying the same sort of like fascination like space that like we feel like euphoria does and like i really like euphoria even though i have so many complicated feelings about it i just like kind of am bought into like what it's trying to do and play with and this on the other hand i find to be like really like flimsy and so but it, it sort of seems to me like that's what they're trying to tap into is like people who kind of like like morbid TV, morbid teen TV, morbid teens. Um, morbid. <laughs> yeah. So I was just curious about that. Like, do we think like this was like what people saw before Euphoria was on, like the same audience or no? That's a really good question. It is a good question. There is like that voyeuristic part of you or, or like I heard someone talk about um, or maybe even I read an article about Westworld, which is not a show that I oh, yeah, yeah. really keep up with. But the article is really interesting because it was saying that Westworld was like critiquing humans nature to be violent and to like fuck prostitutes and kill horses and all this stuff. And it was supposed to be like, we're, we're critiquing that. But then everyone watching it was also watching people also doing kill that. horses and fuck prostitutes and whatever else they do. And so it's, it's just kind of to like, me that kill horses is up there I don't, for Do you. they even kill horses? Sorry, I haven't <laughs> I seen that know. show in like eight years. I don't know, but I enjoy that. Um, so the, it's hard to divide. Man's like, two drives are to kill <laughs> horses and fuck prostitutes. 
<laughs> Damn it, I don't remember. But what I'm saying That's is what like, Sigmund Freud said. <laughs> it's impossible to separate right, the right. idea of having a show about suicide and being like, we're talking about it in this deep way from, well, there are people that just want to watch this because it's like interesting and taboo and like upsetting and um, I don't know. So yeah, it, it, I'm not sure. And I feel like Euphoria sort of is a little more successful at being like, yeah, we know that you're being a voyeur and we're going to make it as like glam as possible. <laughs> like that's sort of, I feel like the difference, whereas this right. is trying to stay on the safe side. And it makes me think like in the writer's room and like in general in the production, like there must be some people that truly are like true believers and are like, no, this is a good thing. But like, it's probably very few people. And most of the people in there are like cynical and like say that it's a good thing. But really, they're like, this makes money, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it must be, there must be, like, a divide between the people that, like, truly think they're doing a good thing. And, like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, telling an important story. Yeah. The thing that I have a really hard time with with teen dramas in general, and, like, this very much gets to the kind of, like, divide or difference between a show like 13 Reasons Why versus a show like Euphoria is, like... I always have a really hard time identifying, like, who they see as the kind of, like, model or ideal audience for it, or, like, what their kind of target demographic is, because 13 Reasons Why, as I said before, like, it feels like it is really leaning into having this kind of, like, sort of self-consciously, like, bland, kind of, like, every town suburban aesthetic to it, and trying to yeah. be relatively timeless, and that makes it harder for me to even tell, like, with the content warnings and stuff, it seems like it's very much targeted towards, like, this is a show for teenagers to That's try to, true. like, help them kind of start these conversations or think about it or be exposed to this material. Euphoria to me, I don't know what you guys think about it. I remember having a really interesting conversation with a good friend of mine right before I started watching it where, like, she basically told me she felt like Euphoria was a show... And maybe this is partly because it's on HBO as well, where it's a show like made for like elder millennials or like people my age to yeah. try to like help us understand how like terrifying and incomprehensible we find Gen Z and Zillennials as a thing, <laughs> which I could I totally that. see that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, Except I don't find them terrifying. Just kidding. No, <laughs> I, do find, I do find them terrifying. I like that though. Euphoria is also just a much better like i think it's just a much more it has a stronger style and a like it's just much more artfully made as a show than 13 reasons why and too. it's yeah, at least specific. that's just my opinion i guess i also to, yeah. to sort of like yeah to sort of come to that like i feel like because this show got so much like i don't know clicks got so many clicks and everyone freaking out about it i thought it was going to be like at least more like i don't know i thought it would be like just more strongly affect me okay wait 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 i had to ask one i don't know if, remember if we brought this up but i just noted one other detail when i was taking notes during the show that <laughs> they mentioned being in a class that they call communications <gasps> class okay okay and thank i just you needed so to ask much. you guys thank you did, so much <laughs> i did not have a class called communications class at high school but also they have like there's the flashback of it and if i'm remembering correctly communications class is the class they're in when like the photo the upskirt photo is leaking yes and the one thing that the teacher says is she says something about like the importance of communicating directly which 
I just found that hilarious because it was like, again, one of those things that made the show made it seem like extremely like counterfactual. Cause I was like, what show did you have about like communication in terms <laughs> of like talking about interpersonal communication in school? And I also <laughs> just found it very funny as a therapist, because again, going back to what I was saying about DBT is like, that is something that a person would say in like a DBT group, not like a teacher yes. would say to their high school class is like, you literally have sections of the DBT curriculum that are about like, interpersonal effectiveness and how to communicate yeah I had no idea what was going on there and I did actually like listen a little bit to like what she's trying to say like as they do stuff and it does seem to be like if not a group therapy session it's at least like a public speaking class because it is right I I, I don't know Jane did you have any is this normal what's happening okay it's (laughs) it's not normal I will be honest and I didn't notice but what it adds what, what what this conversation sort of backs up for me is that this show is so unspecific. And the reason why they have them in this communication class is because talking about whatever they want, like they can relate it to Hannah's death. Right. Rather than having like an actual class, just anything <laughs> real. I, I mean, I'm getting more. Ang- I really wasn't angry about the show until we're talking about it. There's just sort of even Tony, like Tony could be a ghost. Like I would be more believable. I would believe the show more if Tony were like a ghost from the past. Do you know what I mean? I, I think I, I think I wish that it was murder and that she was a ghost and Tony was also a ghost. Okay, we've come to the end. We're going to ask three questions. The first question, Yannick, you can answer first is, is this TV show based on this pilot good or bad? Oh, man. Um... I mean, I would say I was definitely pretty obsessed with it when I watched it. I would not okay. say that that means it was good, though. Yeah, okay. That's yeah. That's a different question. So you say bad. Jane, what about you? Yeah. <laughs> For this pilot only, I have to be honest and say it's it, it leans good just compared to the other stuff we've watched. However, I did read the Wikipedia <laughs> for the next five series uh, or four seasons or whatever, and it's it's really shocking. It's really oh, shocking. Everything. Okay, okay. I, I just briefly read and and it like I said, it turns towards the Degrassi. <laughs> just like everyone gets pregnant, everyone gets uh, has a dead parent, everyone gets HIV, everyone shoots up the school. Just like yeah. really, really bad. <laughs> I would also say bad. I think that I would just wished it was like stronger in any like stylistic way like just just committed to something and i think like like we were talking about like a murder thing could be good i think um if they sort of decided if they wanted to be serious or just degrassi like that could have been good like i just like don't i just don't think it was a good pilot and yet like it's so popular because also i do feel like it it is very easy to keep going like i I don't think it was good but i i think it is watchable um the second question is did you like it did you like watching it? Yannick? Um, no, I didn't. It, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of continuing what you were exactly just saying. I feel like it feels like a very kind of quintessential Netflix show in that, like, it doesn't feel good or enjoyable, but it's for some <laughs> reason, like, compulsively watchable. Like, it's like you get to the end of it and you're like, why did I just spend like 15 hours like watching this? But you did. And it like felt, you know, easy and natural to do that. Jane. Yeah. I think I did enjoy watching the pilot and there was, <laughs> I'm so I don't know why. Cause I don't like, I don't like it, but I did like it. And there was part of me that kind of wanted to keep watching. And then I was like, don't do this to yourself. Go read the Wikipedia. <laughs> and that's what I did. Yeah. I like that. That's your like, sal- that's like your, uh, your escape route. anti-venom mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
would you watch it on 2x speed on Netflix or something like that? <laughs> That's something I've done in the past, but I don't think it even qual- like I don't think it qualifies for it even, even that. Doesn't even qualify. I was thinking about what you were saying, Yannick, and I think like a show that didn't feel very good, but that I watched all of was Emily in Paris, and I would say like this less than Emily in Paris pilot, like. Like, and because of that, I would say that I did not like it because Emily in Paris pilot was so bad, but still visually fun and stimulating. And I will say that the only part I kind of felt something (laughs) was when she was flirting with Justin before he ended up taking an upskirt photo. I thought it was really cute and really well done when they're like texting or trying to call back and forth and they don't want the mom to know so they do this cute little bit about like train a and train b leaving the house and they text in a really stupid way that's the only scene i enjoy and that and, it's and not it even is good. cute and that's why it's so frustrating because it's like it seems like these people like like each other are attracted to each other yeah why did then he why that? would he ruin it like he could have spent time with this right. woman whatever ah, woman okay the third question is what type of teen is this for I'm wondering if teens that that don't have any of the problems mentioned in this show would enjoy it <laughs> and sort of get a taste, that- just get a taste for the bad. <laughs> it's like, is this what it's like to be depressed? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually have a take that I just said, like, I don't think it's good and I don't like it. And yet I think most teens or 20-somethings would like this. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's fucked up to say, but I just think, like, it's very watchable. It's not overtly offensive yet until i i i don't think like i think anyone who has even a slight morbid fascination with like bullying and like depictions of bullying will be like yeah i'll watch this and like that's why so many people did and then like had a violent um reaction to it opinion wise because like it does make you really uncomfortable when you get in there that's a good yeah i would say I'm thinking about it now more. It's like, I would say either people like that with a kind of morbid sensibility or just think like, yeah, high school's fucked up and this is going to like show that or reflect that. Or people who are also like, I think one thing the show does well that I think a lot of like good teen dramas that I've seen do do well is it kind of like really heightens all the kind of like micropolitics and like, endless kind of like balkanization of high the high school social experience in a way that it's like oh now you're friends with this person and then like a month later it's like you're never speaking to them again and they're like you know your complete enemy and now you're like with this new group and aligned to that so like yeah. i think people who like if that is like true and resonates with their experience of high school i think they'd probably appreciate that part yeah i agree with that um yeah i mean I just it it was so watched and I think like I can see why even though like I did not enjoy it at all. <laughs> um it does. Yeah, I, <laughs> Oh. It go completely ahead. goes off the rails as you were saying Jane when like reading the later cuz like it's one of those shows that Netflix also made that like clearly became very popular and then it's like oh I guess we just have to keep yeah, making what do we it do? even though yeah. the first season is like the first season is the only part that is covered in the book and the book is very well self-contained because it's like oh the 13 reasons and you go through each of the 13 reasons and then it's like well now we for some reason need to create another three seasons so it's like let's have more reveals like you find out in one of the seasons that Zach, the guy who Hannah wasn't attracted to, like they were actually having sex for a while. So then it's like, oh, she wasn't even a virgin. And the whole thing was like, you thought she was a virgin. And it's like, 
just all these like weird totally like bizarre reveals and kind of continuations that makes me that happy though because Zach to... is so hot wait that makes me happy. she was having yeah, sex with... oh, before she started hanging out with justin or like during or after he did that i it i mean it was matter. after that because it's like after they first met but yeah no it's it, like gossip it's really girl weird. where like eventually like the storylines just don't make sense together anymore yeah <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Except Gossip Girl is way better. Yannick, what are you watching when you're not watching this? Um, so I just started uh like right now, you mean? Yeah. I've been watching the new season of The Boys and then the new season yes. of Stranger Things, which are both like very, very good. Have you talked about Stranger Things? I, I love Stranger Things. I think that's actually a good kind of I guess that's I not as think... much a teen thing, but yeah, the thing is, like, I don't think Stranger Things is at all a teen show. I do love, um, I do love The Boys. I think it's one of my favorite shows right now. Um, the Boys is so good. The guy who plays Homelander is like, he's like so good at being like just completely deranged and psychotic. I know. I actually thought like I would kind of get sick of him. Like, remember, like. When Game of Thrones, okay, remember when Game of Thrones first came out, and then like everybody was like, Tyrion's the best, like, damn, so epic when Tyrion says this. And then they kind of made him like more and more like epic, like as the show went on until you kind of got annoyed with him. Like, that's what I yeah. thought was going to happen to Homelander in The Boys because like he just like has so many good scenes, but like so far, fingers crossed, like he's still like quite enjoyable, like whatever's going on. Jane, you should watch. Mm, no. Sorry. Maybe not for you. Um, not superhero I yeah. What are you watching right now? I so we got an Apple Plus free trial. So we watched the entire oh, no. series of the after party. And it <laughs> fucking rocks. It's it's um a comedy mystery, murder mystery. It's like it was made for me. I yeah, fucking love it. You. We're gonna watch Severance. We're gonna watch I wanna watch Loot, which is a new star that has Maya Rudolph and Joel Kim Booster. I don't even know what it's about, but I like Loot? Loot. Loot. Okay. Um, oh, I haven't heard of that. So yeah, so it's just like an Apple Plus week for me. Binge week. I was gonna say Severance. I'm glad you said that. I watched that. I like pirated that because um, I didn't <laughs> sign up for Apple Plus. But um, that show was that, so good. The other thing Jane and I both watched is we both watched original Top Gun for the first time. And I watched the Wait. new one too. And you watched the new one, and I haven't seen it yet. And I really I enjoyed the original Top Gun. I also would say that that has a lot of tongue kissing. And I told Jane that it is an unexpected amount of tongue when people kiss in that movie. And it's a very, I think it's a quite erotic movie. That's what that's but, all I was saying. But PG but, rated. Yes, yes. That's the thing that was surprising is that there was a lot of erotic tongue dynamics on display and it's PG rated. Yeah, I'm very, I'm seeing Top Gun Maverick this coming week with a friend. I'm very excited because I heard it was very good, but... I'm really curious how that's going to play out because the first one was like, I feel like it was introduced to me as just like an incredibly like homoerotic piece, like <laughs> drama, essentially. And that's how I understood it. And I've heard that the new one is not really that as much anymore. Yeah, I think so. the new one's just like Mission Impossible vibes. Right, right. <laughs> do, you, do you think Miles Teller is attractive? Miles Teller. <laughs> he's in the new one you'll see we'll ask you again later oh okay <laughs> yannick thank you so much thank you so much for coming on um i am yes, so happy you. we got to truly get into it with with all your expertise but also all our takes about 
um, you know, Tony and upskirt photos. <laughs> Tony, Tony. Oh my god, his name is literally Tony. Anyway, um, okay, I forgot. Is there anything you want to plug? Would you like to plug any social media? Social media? Um, not really. I mean, I'm not super active on social media anymore. I try to, like, stay away from it, particularly being in mental health stuff. I find, That's like, fair. the mental health influencer space so awful and, like, don't want to get involved in it. <laughs> <gasps> oh, I didn't even think about that. Yannick, will we be seeing you on TikTok doing mental health TikToks? I was going to ask the same question. <laughs> yes. I'm going to... um. Eating eating disorder Instagram and TikTok is like just <sighs> one of the wor- most deranged places I've ever been. So yeah, no, you can truly like... look at it and be like, we don't deserve to inherit the earth. Like that's like what I feel <laughs> when I like when I see some yeah. of those TikToks. It's like truly scary, and I I thankfully only see them on Twitter because I'm afraid of it coming onto my algorithm. Um, Every but... like my one thought of eating disorder is like there's like so many like intuitive eating tiktok and instagram accounts that are like just completely a person who like obviously still has an active eating disorder and is just like Mm. you know shouting at their followers about how they need to like follow these new rules or something i'm like uh this does not feel good (laughs) well you're heroic Um, to us for being a therapist who does not have a tiktok so thank you very much jane did you have something to add about miles teller that you wanted i was just gonna say i I have a complicated relationship with him because, like, I do think he's attractive, and I did think he was really attractive in the movie. The one thing I don't like is that they lightened his hair. But you like the mustache. Oh, I know who Miles Taylor is. I just looked him <laughs> up. I think he's but attractive. He kind of looks like the guy who plays Clay. He kind of looks like a like yeah, he looks better like- looking version of the Clay Jensen actor. Actually, <laughs> interesting. I don't. Mm. Jane, I noticed that your partner Walter has a Miles Teller style mustache right now. Actually, Miles Teller has a Walter <laughs> Katie style mustache right now. Okay. That was Under the Bleachers, our podcast about teen content. We would love if you hit that subscribe button, whatever way you get your podcasts. Don't forget to rate and leave a review, and please share us with a friend. And with a teen. You can get in touch with us at underthebleacherspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter at Teens. Okay. We will see you next time. Under the Under- Bleachers! Bleachers. <laughs>